Welcome to this episode of Tea with Triggy. It's great to have you here. This is a podcast where I catch up with friends and people that I find fascinating. I check that they're doing okay and ask for tips to help our stay at home more comfortable. This week's guest is the American actress, comedian, producer, writer. She can do just about everything. She's the most divine lady on the planet. She's my darling friend, Fran Drescher, and you probably know her from The Nanny. Franny, I can't believe we're doing this. I wish you were here, though. I wish I was there. I know. I wish I was with you, too. My darling Fran. Before (laughs) we start our little chat, have you got a cup of tea? I'm actually, uh, yes, I've got tea with me because it's tea with Twiggy. That's right. And I drink drink every day some tea. I know you do, actually. Have you got a favourite? Well, I I will do fresh mint. Oh yeah. I, I like uh, honey with lemon. That mm-hmm. usually starts off my day. I'll drink a lovely uh, green tea. I like rooibos tea. Yeah. But everything has to be organic. I have to say that that's the prerequisite. Yeah, I have to just tell everyone. Fran is probably the healthiest eater and drinker I've ever met in my life. (laughs) Well, you know, my problem is, A, I'm a cancer survivor, and B, I kind of know too much about uh, agriculture and Mm -hmm. agrochemicals, and, uh, you know, I just don't want to support that type of farming, which, which here in the United States has really become, you know, extremely uh, bad. And yeah, uh, uh-huh. I think that, you know, we... Well, don't, through, they, don't they grow genetically modified things? A lot. Yeah. See, yes. I mean, that's... if you're buying, like, soybeans or corn or wheat, mm-hmm. you better read the label and make sure it says non-GMO. I know. Otherwise, I know. it's over 90% of it, and it's a terrible thing. So you buy all organic, whatever. I do. Everything is very pristine or wild. Yeah. Oh, that's And I really feel like a lot of the ailments that people suffer from are environmentally stimulated. What yep. we put in our mouth, on our skin, all our personal care items, all of our oral hygiene products, what we clean and garden with. And it's really no, important that absolutely. we start reading labels. I, 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 we, we only eat, buy and eat organic, I have to say. Well, um, that's why you look so great. People well. always say your skin is so beautiful, and it's like, well... Well, thank you. <laughs> so I, I need to congratulate you because you've just celebrated 20 years of wellness um, I know. and being well. Thank you. Thank I'm you so, so much. I'm so happy for you, my darling girl. It's really hard to believe because, you know, I've been on this mission. I can, I can hear... Um, Angel, Angel Grace. Angel Grace. What she is? Yeah. She seen somebody on the beach. I think so. She <laughs> is, I rescued her just days before the world went mad, Aww. and she rescued me while I was here by myself. Yeah, all well, these you, months. Here she you, is. There she is. Yeah, my little girl. Were you obviously meant to meet each other? You know, my last dog suddenly got a stroke and dropped Aww. dead. He was only six and a half, but he did have a lot of, like, breathing, anxiety issues. And uh, just on some random day, it all went wrong. And I was alone with him here, and his heart stopped, and uh, I was absolutely devastated. I bet. I know you. And guilt-ridden. I thought somehow I should have been able to save him. I was on the phone with the vet. Uh, you know, nothing really worked. And, and I guess it was his time. But it was his time, yeah. Like a few days went by and I was in excruciating pain. And I was lying in bed by myself. And I just reached up to the heavens and prayed to God and said, please help me out of this agony. And uh, then for whatever reason, I got out of bed. I turned on my computer and I started looking on this website called Pet Finders. Oh. And that's where I saw her. And the next day I said, I want to, you know, see this dog. 
let's call and find out if she's still available. And they told me that they had just posted her that day. Uh... And on my way to, I said, well, I want to meet her. On my way to the rescue place, I get a call from a girlfriend's friend who I didn't know at the time is a psychic. Out of the blue, she calls me. I didn't even recognize the name, but she was in my contacts. So I must have met her at one of my girlfriend's birthday parties or something. And she said, I just wanted to tell you how sorry I was that your dog died. And I have a very strong feeling that you should get another dog right away and ask Samson, which was my deceased dog, for his guidance in choosing the right one. I said, that's so weird because I'm on my way to a rescue right now to look at a dog. Wow, she She didn't know that. No. And I never have heard from this woman. Oh, how weird. But it turns out she is a psychic. Then I keep driving and I stop at a red light and for some reason, unbeknownst to me, I turn my head to the left And I'm looking at a bus stop poster that says, adopt a pet. (laughs) And I'm thinking, okay, this is the universe sending me messages. (laughs) Then I go to this place to get a cup of coffee on my way to the rescue. And I was feeling so bad that I should have done something for poor Samson. But then the barrister who was making me my drink said, I'm giving this to you for free because you're so good and you're always so good. And I thought, okay, you know, when someone tells you something (laughs) that you absolutely need to hear and it's a stranger, that's an angel. That's an angel, absolutely. So an angel inhabited this barista's body and told me exactly (laughs) what I needed to hear. And then when I walked out, there was a girl with a broken leg, foot, walking her little dog. And I said, gee, that's such a cute dog. What kind is it? She said, I don't know. It's a rescue. I said, oh my God, I'm on my way to a rescue right now. She said, oh, I have a very good feeling about it. I go to the rescue. (laughs) They take me outside with my dog, who at the time was called Snowy because she's all white with David Bowie eyes. She has one brown eye and one blue eye. And she's kind of a mix of a husky and a white German shepherd. Gorgeous, gorgeous I know, I've seen pictures. She's gorgeous. And um, they take her outside so the other dogs don't, you know, like have a heart attack because everybody wants to be picked. Yeah, of course. So we go outside and it's just us. And I bend down to say hello to her. And she literally pushes me flat on my back, straddles me, (laughs) and starts kissing my face all over. And I said to the guy, this is unbelievable. She seems to really like me. And she was kissing me and like on top of me, like my deceased dog always used to do. And with such affection, it was not like a first meeting, but almost like a long the reunion of a long-lost friend. I said, have you ever seen anything like this? He said, no, never. You're going to have to apply because this dog belongs with you. And take a video because I'd love to show it to our executive director. She's got to see this too because this dog has picked you. Uh, Well, I do think animals have a a, a sense sense. that we don't have, don't you? Without question. Well, you know, dog is God spelled backwards. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Well, I have to say, you lucked out getting her, but she really lucked out getting you. I know. She loves the beach. The executive director said, I want to live there. (laughs) (laughs) This dog now lives on Malibu Beach overlooking the And everything she eats is organic, and I cook it for her. (laughs) Because, you know... Unlike you, I never had children, so my dog becomes like You're, my Yes, I know. That's what I mean. She was, she was so lucky to get you. <laughs> yes, and she sleeps in the bed with me, and I've <laughs> never had 
I've never had a large dog. It's like having a human. I know, because you always had little dogs, didn't you? Always had, yeah, Pomeranians. Yeah, Pomeranians. No, because I always wanted a portable dog because I travel so much. But I'm determined to take her with me anyway. Oh, good. I'm going to take you back in time. You grew up in Flushing, right, in Queens? Yes, Flushing, Queens, New York. So tell me about the neighbourhood for people who don't know about that, people in England that don't know about Queens. Well, um, you know, it's over the bridge from Manhattan. It's one of the five boroughs. Mm -hmm. Um, It's mostly working class, but has a few pockets of wealthy communities. My neighborhood, when I was growing up, was a um, diverse neighborhood, but a lot of famous people came out of it. Um, Simon and Garfunkel grew up in my neighborhood, and in fact, Peter, who is now my gay (laughs) ex-husband, his sixth-grade teacher was Paul Simon's mom. Wow! Oh, that's amazing! And Jerry Seinfeld uh, lived a stone's throw in really the next town, not Flushing, but Fresh Meadows. But we all went to Queens College, which was literally walking distance from my house. I was such a goody-goody. David Caruso lived in our neighborhood. And uh, we went to school. When I say we, I mean me and Peter, because we met in 10th grade and uh, became fast friends and then eventually high school sweethearts. And uh, who was in our graduating class with us but Ray Romano. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I just did a, a podcast with lovely Phil Rosenthal. Oh, he's who fantastic. Wrote, yeah, he said he's the same, fa- he said the same about you. <laughs> oh, how sweet. I love him and I love his show. So do I. Well, I contacted him on Instagram because I love the show so much. And Carly, who you know very well, uh, my daughter, said, well, ask him to do the show. And I said, but I don't know him. She said, send him a message, Mum, on Instagram. And oh, so I yeah, did. And he answered immediately. Well, you know, you can reach out to anyone. You're so famous. Oh, I yes. mean, it's not like you're just, you know, Joe Schmo reaching out to him. <laughs> you're freaking Twiggy. <laughs> <laughs> that is so but, funny. But, uh, you know, I watched his episode on uh, Lisbon. And uh, right shortly before I was heading to Portugal and, uh, you know, Peter and I are so happily divorced and now we take vacations together (laughs) and we're determined to grow old together. Of course. Uh, So we wanted to look and see about what it's like. Would we love it? Could we retire there maybe because it's less expensive than London or New York, for example? And uh, the people could not be dearer and sweeter. They're just so dear. It's a beautiful country. Yes. The whole place reminds me of California. It's very similar topography, but, you know, European architecture. Mm. And it's on the Euro. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, two hours from London or Paris. Well, I'd love it. We'd get to see each other more. (laughs) Yes. And uh, we absolutely fell madly in love with it. But I watched Phil's episode over and over again until I stopped watching him and started kind of looking in the backgrounds to see what would look familiar to me when I was there. And every restaurant he went to, everything I did. Have you told him? You should let him know. You know, I haven't, and I keep thinking. Oh, you should. Now that we both did your show, I have his email. I'll email him. Yeah, do. Say we were talking about it. And he should listen to this episode. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> when, you, when you were back in high school, did you know you wanted to perform? or did you... I think I kind of decided that I went to a high school that kind of demanded that you pick a, a career. It was a very innovative school mm-hmm. in the mid-70s. And... Uh, it was a career-oriented school. So I decided that I was going to take theater career. Uh, my sister took pre-pre-nursing. 
there were uh, education, uh, you know, and it was really fantastic because you'd go for half the day taking your core education courses, your required courses, and then you'd go for half the day taking, you, you know, your uh, career choice. And so by the time I got into high school, I pretty well thought this is what I want to do. And I figured that because it's the thing that seemed to be very enjoyable and easy for me and something that, you know, I would do whenever anybody asked me to do it. So I thought, God, if I can make a living doing that, I'll yeah. never work a day in my life. <laughs> and I figured that out in junior high. That's how clever I was. So young. Amazing. Because there were a lot of things I wanted to do. I loved teaching and I, I loved uh, writing. Mm-hmm. And I loved hairdressing and yeah, I loved I, journalism. I, actually, I, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know you'd done a little bit of hairdressing. Yeah, and as it turns out, I ended up doing it all. But um, no, because you, you've written a lot of your series, haven't you now? Yes, well, I created it and I produced it. And I also wrote two New York Times bestsellers and a children's book. And I lecture all over the world, so that's kind of like professorial. And, uh, you know, I got involved in politics here in the U.S., and I, I, I marched on Capitol Hill, and I'm uh, very proud to say that I was extremely instrumental in getting a law passed by unanimous consent, which means all 100 senators said yes, Fran. And I was written up twice in the congressional record as an accommodation by two different senators for my lobbying efforts. And then I was recommended by the president at the time, which was George W. Bush, to the State Department as a public diplomacy envoy, which I was vetted for. And then I was sent around the world to allied nations and military bases talking about health to them. So, well, I think, uh, what about Fran for president? I you know, you. <laughs> so many people have asked me to run for, you know, some kind of an elected office. And there was a time when I was very seriously considering it. But now, sadly, the nation is so divided mm. and uh, so um, partisan. Mm-hmm. Um, it defies reason what some people will do for party, even if in their heart of hearts they must know it's not right. Mm. But for me, being a cancer survivor, I, I think it would kill me. I'm afraid it would give me cancer being in such a toxic environment. So I actually stopped going. And uh, the last time... And the last time I think I was there was four years ago uh, when um, the current president was inaugurated and I spoke to a lot of independent uh, groups, mm-hmm. um, you know, women's groups. I marched at the uh, women's march. Uh, I spoke at Jewish groups, you know. I mean, it's just everybody gathers in D.C. for the inauguration. Some people are pro, some people are against. But what I find is um, poor health is the great equalizer Mm -hmm. and and cancer is a nonpartisan issue. Both sides of the party line have been uh, profoundly affected by it, either personally or everyone knows someone in their family. So I'm able to be... Uh, to a- able to talk to uh, both sides of the party line about cancer. But I've become more radical since then. And I'm really trying to get people to use their purchasing power to boycott the things that are unhealthy for us, our pets, the environment, the water, the air, the soil, uh, other animals. And uh, so, you know, well, don't I you think, think that- I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, although this this terrible disease, you know, virus has hit us, that actually the only plus side that I can really see is that 
it's actually helped the planet a lot because the environment is much healthier. There yes, are, because that's not we're not impacting it as profoundly as we normally do. You know, the planet doesn't need the human species at all. I know. And the earth would be much better off without us. So, you know, my attitude is until we start being respectful. Mm, I agree. You know, but do you, if don't, we're, my hope is that through this, people are going to think about it because everything was going so fast before and everything was kind of... There's a tremendous absence of information on national broadcasts. They should be talking about that already. Oh, yeah. They should be talking about how to stay healthy. They should be providing you know, home nurses and, mm -hmm. you know, with a vitamin C IV for the sick, because this whole lockdown is simply because hospitals can't deal with all the emergencies. Yeah, but why, right. but, you know, you see in certain countries uh, and in certain circles like functional medical doctors that there's great success with high levels of vitamin C IV and ozone and glutathione and D3 and zinc, all in IV and high doses that really help support the body to uh, suppress the, the virus. And what, nobody's talking about that. And nobody's talking about why some people hardly have any symptoms at all or is asymptomatic and others are so desperately sick or they perish. I know. It's... And they should be talking about it because they all know why. And it's because some people live less healthfully than others. Yeah. And that's, you know, has to do with either uh, they're, they don't realize that what they're eating and exposing themselves to is compromising their immune system. Yeah, that old saying, you are what you eat, is very, very true, isn't it? <laughs> totally. And when you say old, that's like ancient Greece. That's how smart they were back then. Yeah. But I'm sure, you know, that was Hippocrates, but I'm sure that there were naysayers then too. Absolutely. I feel like we're acting out the same kind of drama, mm -hmm. just with different clothes and mm -hmm. hairdos, but basically, <laughs> I feel like it's the, I mean, you know, be, people don't want to hear about indigenous wisdom, Asian wisdom. I know. Uh, you know, ancient wisdom, and they put you down for being woo-woo. They're not yes. looking at or listening or honoring the body. I and know. they think just because there's a commercial on TV that convinces you that drinking cola is going to make you happy or sexy or <laughs> successful. You know, there's no point to it. And if we all stop drinking it today, they'd stop making it tomorrow. That, That's that true. Fast. That's true. And Absolutely. it wouldn't matter who was in legislative power. It wouldn't matter what regulations were. Uh, passed because the bottom line is the bottom line. If there was no demand, it would stop. Right. It all, it, you know, the, the, the systemic malignancy of the entire, of all the woes in the world track back to one thing, greed. If you think about it, it's all about greed. Well, when I, I grew I'm, I'm, I'm older than you, and I, when I grew up, you know, I grew up in a, a happy household and we were working class, but my mum, we, we didn't have fast food. There wasn't, my mum would go to the shops two or three times a week and you'd eat what was in season. It probably wasn't organic, but it wasn't treated with terrible things like, you know, and they weren't, you know, you only ate what was in season and, you know, the choices weren't as big. But it was actually quite a healthy diet, really, when I look back. Oh, well, yes. You know, look, the thing is, um, even when I grew up, we did not have the propensity of agrochemicals and genetically modified foods. Yeah. This is all very recent. I know. And we also didn't have, you know, Wi-Fi 
or the level of electromagnetic fields. This is all compromising everybody's immune system. And we're all scratching our heads wondering why we have autoimmune problems, why we have uh, so much dis-ease mm. in the body. You know, I mean, it's just why our children suddenly have learning differences, yeah. why there's so much autism, why there's so much obesity. You know, I mean, we had to be brainwashed, numbed out and dumbed down to buy into the BS that we are being sold up the river with now. And I'm, you know, here to sound the alarm because I feel like I got famous, I got cancer, and I lived to talk about it. So I'm talking. Well, you're, you're brilliant because you do come out and, and, and say it. And, and what's wonderful, through your fame, and I, I have to tell everyone that wherever I go in the world and I switch the television on, there is, there is you speaking Japanese. You know, they're dumb. In Japan, yes. you were speaking Japanese. In Sweden, you were speaking. Because you are so, you know, from the nanny, this wonderful, wonderful series that you did. Yeah. And, you know, um, now we're doing a Broadway musical. I know. That's so <laughs> exciting. But do you know, we'll go back to that, but do you know I was working it out? We've known each other. I think it's nearly 30 years Oh, absolutely, because the show is 20... So let me just tell the listeners that Fran and I met because we both got cast in, sadly, a short-lived American sitcom called Princesses. And I was an... Don't laugh. I was an English princess (laughs) (laughs) because I'd married a prince. I was a showgirl who'd married a prince. You were a New York Jewish princess, correct? Right, yeah. And and lovely Julie Haggerty was like the... the, um, What do you call uh, the kind of... I guess she was like... Well, that was, uh, you know, uh, the odd thing. Her, her character wasn't as clearly defined as ours, but I think she was supposed to be like a New England. Yeah, that's right. Maybe. Or... And I have to say, I have never had so... I was very nervous coming into L.A. to do it because we shot it all in L.A. We did about eight or nine episodes, didn't we? Yes, and we became fast I friends. I fell madly in love with you on, on when we first met. And we became neighbours. Yeah, and do you remember our first lunch? We, what was... <laughs> uh, barely, barely. When, where did we go? It was off, it was off the Sunset Strip. Because oh. I remember you laughing because I... I mean, I don't know, I, I, I ordered... What a, a normal was plate it full just of food. You and me, or was it with no, the producers? No, it was Julie Everybody. and the producers. Oh, yes. And you yes. laughed and said to me, "Oh my God, you're eating proper food. I thought you'd eat a salad." It was ah uh, <laughs> yes, because you're twiglets. <laughs> <laughs> and then we uh, end up, ended up in the same neighbourhood. Yes, um, we were neighbours, and I and I remember you were upset because you had a telephone pole in your backyard and I said with wires and I said but you know you're in a very old and historic neighborhood they didn't bury the wires back then this was the original Los Angeles and it has a lot of history to it and then you said to me now I love me telephone pole Well, I'm glad princesses happened because I got to meet you and 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 like that's exactly true. And I just finished yet another short-lived series, which I'm thinking could possibly be my last because I don't know if I get the same thrill from it anymore. But um, I loved the people that I worked with, and I said, you know, sometimes you do a job; it's short-lived, but the friendships that come out of it endure. The test of time. And I do believe that that was our blessing. Also, it led, it was our friendship that led to the idea for the nanny, correct? Absolutely. Please please tell that story because it's so lovely. Uh, After Princesses, I did a, a, a pilot also for CBS that was supposed to be a summer replacement. And uh, that didn't get picked up either. So I said to Peter, you know, I'm going to cash in 
miles. We have just enough for me to go first class. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go visit friends. Now, I had not ever traveled that distance without my husband. But I was beginning to spread my wings and learn how to be less codependent. Mm -hmm. So, as, and I was really scared, but I pushed myself. And uh, I came and stayed with you guys. That's right. And um, I remember that, you know, even staying in your apartment, uh, I had the window open, but I was like scared that the window was open, that somebody was going to climb through the window. <laughs> Be so hard, put, it's on the third floor. <laughs> I know, I know, this is how crazy I was. And so I put like all kinds of noisy making trinkets on the window ledge. Oh, that's so So if fun. anybody tried to get in, it would wake <laughs> me up because they would disturb my little, uh, you know, alarm system there. And uh, you guys were working, you and your handsome husband, Lee Lawson, you were both working. So I was, uh, you know, I was independent enough to get there, but not to walk around a big city like London all by myself. Mm -hmm. So what did I do? I schlepped your little daughter, Carly, with Who me. Was, how old was she? She about was probably like 10 uh, or 11. I, 11, yeah, I think yeah, she was 11, like 11. 11, 12, yeah. So sweet. And <laughs> I've always had a great affection for her because she's, you know, very creative child. And she used to uh, do a lot of animation That's uh, right. as long as I know her. And uh, we just clicked. So I'm schlepping her all over London. <laughs> and out of the blue, the kid says to me, Oh, Fran, my new shoes are hurting me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the hell is she telling me for? <laughs> Does she want me to take her back? Because I'm not ready yet. <laughs> so I said to her, honey, just step on the backs of them. And very innocently, she says to me, won't that break them? And I said, break them in. And so... She continued on this journey with me, and I couldn't get this relationship out of my head because it dawned on me that I wasn't like being a conventional caregiver with the kid. I was telling her not what was good for her, but what was good for me. And I thought, this, is real. this feels very funny to me. And what I neglected to mention was on the plane ride, it was on TWA, which no longer exists, mm -hmm. was the president of CBS. <laughs> and I said, Jeff, and he said, Fran. And then I ran into the bathroom to put some makeup on. <laughs> so, you know, I had nine and a half hours to convince this guy that he had to let me pitch ideas for a show for me. And finally, he said, okay, when you get back to L.A., call my office and I'll set you up a meeting with the head of development. So I didn't have the idea at the time. But as soon as I got off the plane, I called Peter and I said, you're not going to believe this. But Jeff Saganski was on the plane and he said that we could pitch an idea for me for a series. And I had already promised myself that if I didn't get on the inside in a big way, I was going to drop out because I felt like I was more talented than the producer, writer producers I was working for. And I wanted to develop a show for myself. So this incident with Carly got my wheels turning. And it felt so funny to me that in the middle of the night, it was like, 5 a.m. London time. So it was early evening in Los Angeles. And I called Peter because I just couldn't sleep. And I said, I think I have the idea of what we should pitch to Jeff to CBS when I get back. What do you think about a spin on The Sound of Music, only instead of Julie Andrews, I come to the door? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, that's it. That's the show. As soon as you get back, we'll develop it and we'll pitch it to CBS. And really, Carly 
was is part of the story forever for you know 28 years oh, so now. how long how many years did it run it the first run episodes ran for six seasons but actually it's been in reruns and and it's been sold all over the world for all these years it's really never been off the air for 27 years and I bet everywhere you go in the world, people must run after you and say, Fran, Fran. Uh, you know, I mean, well, Peter used, was and still is somewhat addicted to social media. Uh-huh. And I forbid him to post anything until after we leave the country because there's only so many places, you know, where I'm going to be in a city like Paris, you know, for example. So he can't post any more pictures until we leave that city. <laughs> Otherwise, it does become problematic. But some people will say, you know, I don't love Paris because they don't really treat Americans well. And I said, really? I'm like Jerry Lewis there. <laughs> <laughs> they roll out the red carpet. <laughs> so I feel very blessed because I get a lot of positive energy from people all over the world. And uh, But also, been... you know, through that series, you became, I mean, you were the star. You co-wrote it. You co-produced it. Well, I mean, it's brilliant. You became like this huge producer, writer, star of, of your own series, which must have been so pleasing. I think I manifested that because I promised myself that I can't just be a gun for hire. Mm. I have to get on the inside. So, you know, I mean, my advice to anyone is, you know, opportunity knocks constantly. It's whether or not you're going to get in your way or get out of your way and pursue it. Somebody else might have felt intimidated seeing the president of a major network and felt like, you know, I'm not going to bother him. But it's like, you know... But you're right, because... You know, back in the the early 80s, you know, I did that show on Broadway, My One and Only, with Tommy Tune. And when he rang me in the UK about doing it, I thought it was going to be... We'd been working on a project that that was going to be a film and we couldn't get the finance raised or whatever. So when he rang me in 82 and said, we're going to do our project, and I said, when do we start filming? And he said, no, it's on Broadway... And I said, I can't, oh, I can't do that. And he said, there's no such word as can't. Pack your bags and get to New York. And, and it's true, actually. Yes. If it, there is no such word of, as can't. And if you have the wherewithal. Well, you learned that, didn't you? And I did. now you're more fearless. That's the journey of life. Yeah. You know, I get scared sometimes. And then I think, you know, just take it easy and plow through with fortitude and, uh, you know, conviction, and you'll feel so great that you didn't get in your way. If you believe in something, and that's why you, if you're lucky enough to be able to do things that you believe in, that gives you great power and great strength. I mean, I, I would find it very hard standing up and giving the speeches that you've done in places like, you know, the White House and wherever or in the political arena. But I'm presuming that you it gave you strength because you believe in what you're trying to tell people so much that the, the fear dissipates. Does that make sense? Well, yes, but uh, I mean, public speaking, I don't think has ever really been one of the things that... I might be fearful about. Um, See, it, but look, it a lot of people me. can't do what you're doing right now. <laughs> you're not even thinking that this is something that somebody else couldn't do. But, you know, to, to be natural and conversational and make people feel at ease and get inside their head and their heart, that's a skill. That's a talent. Maybe, yeah. But uh, standing up, making speeches, that... That that may, that makes my toes curl up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I took did a, a little uh, stint uh, doing stand up comedy too. Oh, well, that 
actually does get me nervous, but I do it anyway. As soon as I get out there and I, you know, I get the first laugh, I'm, I'm okay. But up until I get out there, I'm so afraid I'm going to forget my act. Actually, every stand-up I've ever talked to said it is the most terrifying thing because a lot of stand-ups act as well. But they said that doing stand-up is the most scary thing in the entire yeah, world. Yeah, I mean, you're out there by yourself and, you, you know, if you go up on your... I mean, it's a rehearsed, written yeah. piece that you're yeah. doing like a, a one-hour monologue, basically. Yeah, exactly. And people, you know will shout things out and you can't get thrown by that. I guess you can't. Well, when I did Broadway, I did Rodgers and Hammerstein's or Steen, Hammerstein's. Um, Depends where you come from, I think. We exactly. say Rodgers and Hammerstein. Stein, yeah, they, uh, they, I think someone once told me that was involved with the company. It's like a Stein of beer or something, says yeah. Stein. Stein. So, uh, yes. Was that Roger. Cinderella? Yes. Yeah. And I played yeah, I the Wicked that. Stepmother. We oh, came to you? see you. Do you remember? You were brilliant. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because uh, we went out after. That's right, we did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we painted um, the town red. <laughs> we did indeed. And, uh, you know, all my fears were actually realized. I went up on my lines. Uh, other people went up on their lines. Mm -hmm. I skipped a page and then had oh, a backtrack. I, you know, I mean, it's just whatever you think could go wrong actually happened. Yeah, it and does. as you know, Roosevelt said, "There's nothing to fear but fear itself," because the fear is worse than the actual thing, and that's why. Even with this virus, I think I don't want to get myself so wound up that mm -hmm. I'm going to be so afraid that I get it I that know. I make myself sick. No, that's it's true, It's like actually. I have to have confidence in my immune system and in my lifestyle yeah. and in what I preach that if, God forbid, I came in contact, and I'm not taking any risks, believe me. I'm but, sure. You know, I do feel in my heart that if I did get sick, it would be a very mild case because I know I've been taking high vitamin C uh, for a long time and D3 and zinc and melatonin is antiviral too. I take all of these things every single day and I do feel like it's fortifying my body and helping me in a way that you know, all of our bodies should help us if they, if everybody knew what I knew about the things that erode and degrade our immune system. Have you learned any, have you, you know, have you taken up any new kind of skills in lockdown? Have you kind of, I've been knitting and doing jigsaws. It's interesting that you ask that, Twigs, because, first of all, I've, I've taken up gardening more oh. than I ever used to. I have gardens, but I left it to other people to tend to. And uh, since nobody was coming to the house for two months, That's right. I started doing it myself and actually got great pleasure out of it. I also learned that I'm an excellent housekeeper. Me too. I yes. love ironing and I'm very good at cleaning bathrooms. <laughs> yes, I'm good at washing floors and vacuuming, <laughs> making beds, loading and unloading the dishwasher, doing uh, laundries. We could, and... open, we could open a service. Yes, a Fran service. Fran and Twiggy's. <laughs> yes, yes. Shine and wine. <laughs> but yeah, so, and I'm cooking a lot. Oh, and, you're a and, very good cook. Uh, home delivery, I've I've brought to a a fine art. Everything gets delivered and left on the front porch. Oh, you don't go into the stores. 
I really don't, no. Well, I do, actually. But yeah. I wear a mask and I wear gloves. I wear ma I've gone to doctor appointments. I go for my acupuncture. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I do things like that. I go down on the beach. Yeah. So uh, you said but, you're doing gardening, but you've, you haven't got a garden garden, but you've got a... Um, I've got a, a huge deck with a lot of potted plants, yes. So that's, yes, that's the gardening that I'm doing. I've always enjoyed cut flowers, arranging them and keeping them up inside the house. And that's like a Zen meditation to me. And I'm, I'm cooking more Asian food. I, I, I hadn't ever gotten into that that much, but now I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. So, and I FaceTime with my parents every day. They're down in South Florida. That's right. Are they okay? Uh, yes, thank God. And, uh, you know, I, I was so on their case for like the last two years. So I said, bolster your immune system. That's the best, uh, you know, vaccine you could possibly have. And so I've been giving them all these things and they've been taking them. Uh, and who knew it was for this one defining moment? Because mm. I think that they're in pretty good shape for people their age. My mom's in her mid-80s. My dad's 90. He's not. He's amazing. Yeah, and he's still handsome. Give them my love. Oh, I shall. I love I your shall. mom and dad. And have, yeah. you, have you read any really good books you want to recommend? Well, uh, I'm... I enjoyed the um, uh, the book series, My Brilliant Friend, mm -hmm. which is really wonderful. It's a story of two women that grow up on the outskirts of Na Napoli, Italy, mm -hmm. in a very poor neighborhood. And uh, as they start out as children... But then it goes on and, uh, you know, through their whole lives. Oh, I'm so, going to get that. That sounds yeah. fabulous. Because I, oh. I, I always have the book on the go. I love it. I love reading. Oh, that's nice. And I like books on tape, too. Because at night, I put it on three-quarter speed so they talk a little slower. <laughs> <laughs> and I set the timer because it gives you that option for one hour. And then I kind of nod off. And because it's a book that's downloaded, I can keep my phone on airplane mode. Because at night I turn off the Wi-Fi and I turn off the cell phone. And my smart TV is not dependent on Wi-Fi at all. It's plugged into the Ethernet. Oh, so okay. I really try, and while I'm sleeping, I curtail. didn't know you could turn down the speed of a, a talking book. Yes, it. Uh, but don't it, they it, sound like? Doesn't it go really not slow? That slow, but it, <laughs> they talk like this oh, on three okay. quarter, oh. and uh, I find it very soothing. I've also on on. Um, I don't know what it would show in America, but I've found a whole load of series that have been shot in France and in Sweden, and I love those. Oh, yes. Like I the Swedish, well. Swedish Requiem. Call My Agent. One. Have you seen that? It's French. Oh, somebody else. Took, what's it called? Call My yeah, Agent. I'm going to write and that it's down. it's all about, I mean, if you're in show business especially, it's all about mostly the divas that are represented and the agents that represent them. Then there's a, uh, a Brazilian one called The Girl from Ipanema. Oh, lovely. And you can watch on HBO On Demand, My Brilliant Friend. Well, we don't, get, we, don't get, we don't get HBO here. But sometimes Amazon Prime or Netflix bring it over. I'll have a look. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah we can't get HBO. Well, and, start with the book on tape, my brilliant friend. Okay, or I might go really old-fashioned and just read it. <laughs> read it, yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, do you have a Kindle or, or do you no, read from No, I did heart? get it in the beginning, but I like books now. I like the feel of them. I like the smell of them. I like books too. I get but, uh, People send me books weekly, but, mm. you know, I get kind of, my eyes get tired. Mm-hmm. And in bed, I don't want to have the glass, the reading glasses on. No, but I know. 
if I have a Kindle, I can make the words very large. That's right, you can do that. <laughs> and also, if you nod off, uh, it will turn itself off if you haven't like turned the page in like no, 10 that's minutes. True. That's true. So for all those reasons, I, then I don't have to have my glasses. I mean, there's like six words to a page, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Fran. You make me laugh. Anyway, it's been absolutely gorgeous. Thank you for doing my podcast. Of course, I adore you anytime. Oh, All I you need you to do is ask, and your wish is my command. Oh, give my give a big kiss to Peter. I shall Peter. do, and I'm so happy I got to see your handsome husband. I love you guys, and I love you, and I hope I hope you move to to Lisbon. That'd be brilliant. yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we can travel soon. I send you lots of love from good old Blighty. Okay, take care. Mwah. Be well, my love. Oh, I really enjoyed that talking to my gorgeous friend Fran. She's quite an amazing woman. She's beaten cancer and she's set up Cancer Schmancer, her charity, which has helped so many people. She's a brilliant actress, comedian, everything. And I love her to bits. If you've enjoyed listening to Tea with Twiggy, please take a moment to give us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast so you auto-magically get the next episodes for free. And do tell all your friends and family about it too. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.